Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is a deep dive. We're going to dive deep into the thrill of Star Wars, the action scenes and all the great adventure serial pulp influences on Star Wars. I'm so excited to discuss this, and my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. 
And my name is Ken Napsack, and I, too, am excited. I'm thrilled, you would say, to discuss all the thrills of Star Wars today. It's, uh, quite frankly, part of the reason we all show up to the party, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I love how much that we talk about the big ideas and the big themes, but... um. We don't spend uh, as much time sometimes talking about why certain action scenes are really uh, powerful to us or how important they are to Star Wars. So I thought that would be a fun thing for us to dive into this week. Uh, Before we do that, as always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player this week. We are recommending Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. But Ken, there is more. There is more. We have another great offer, my friend, uh, friends, a uh, friend and friends. <laughs> Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, Secrets of the Jedi, the lightsaber collection, Galaxy's Edge Cookbook, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. Now, this excludes collectibles, limited edition products, and already discounted products, but there are a ton of great Star Wars books to grab. The offer lasts until Friday, January 8th, 8th at midnight Pacific time. We're in that week, my friend. So to get your discount, enter the coupon code fc 35 FC35 or visit the website with this link insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. So FC35, your way to some post holiday joy in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. I really like the point that you made on our last show that the holidays have passed. So now is the season to buy ourselves things. <laughs> Get back to what really counts. You. That's right. Just a little bit of online holiday, post-holiday Star Wars treat buying. Uh, Speaking of treats and segues, uh, let's get into our main topic, Ken, the thrill of Star Wars. So we're going to discuss the the chases, the lightsaber fights, the space battles, the uh, the stormtroopers falling from high places. All the stuff uh, that is exciting and thrilling about Star Wars, some of our favorites from those scenes, how important those scenes are to Star Wars, from style to pacing to structure to all the deeper meanings. So I want to start, as we often do, with a little bit of an overview. When you think, Ken, of the, the thrilling adventure serial and pulp excitement part of Star Wars, what does that mean to you? I'll tell you what it means. It means just momentum energy uh sitting in your seat just going yeah pumping the fist we've talked about pumping the fist moments well this is a pumping the fist movie right it's the whole thing and there's going to be uh downbeats different tones we're going to talk about that but that's just that's what how it works best for me is problem solution problem solution until the end of the story and each each little thing is an adventure i go to new hope a lot I go to New Hope and I was fascinated as a, as a youngster, especially after reading like the novelization where you'd go back and you'd be like, wow, remember when they were on Tatooine and they had problems there. And then it was a Death Star. It was like each thing was its own little movie within the story for me as a seven and eight year old. And I just love thinking about it in those terms. And that's kind of the thrill of Star Wars from a general sense for me. I love that. I, you know, I, I go to A New Hope a lot because that's obviously the template for how these ideas get baked into Star Wars and then they get to, you know, translate it and experimented with a bunch in all the future Star Wars storytelling. But I love that you describe reading, reading the novel, watching the movie and thinking about it that way of uh, there, everywhere they go, there's a problem. 
<laughs> like that that's the heart of Star Wars. Star Wars, colon, everything is a problem. But that to me is the spirit. That's what gives it that uh sense, that dynamic sense and that forward movement um that I think makes the action different in Star Wars, because Star Wars is certainly a series of action films. There's always action in the television shows. There's usually usually action in the books and the comics we'll talk about that a little bit but star wars is different from action movies i think because it's specifically pulling from this tradition of adventure serials that have cliffhangers that are literally uh here we just resolved one problem only to immediately fall into a different problem and that gives it a different kind of pacing and structure i think Absolutely. As you're talking, I'm immediately going to Rise of Skywalker and the Pisana chase and the, the the jet troopers and that's over and they all fly into sinking sand and we got a new problem. And that's just what I uh, I love. It also also goes to my love of Indiana Jones and it's kind of the same DNA, I think. Yeah. And then straight from sinking sand to big snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Vexus. Uh, yeah. I think for me, uh, a reason that I concentrate on this a lot and people who, who listen to the, the show, I'm sure hear me say adventure serial and in pulp. I think somebody made a four center uh, bingo at one point where one of them yeah. was saying the word pulpy. Uh, <laughs> and doing this episode is also a little bit for me to try to kind of examine why do I focus on that so much and why do I think it's really important to Star Wars. A part of it is, like I said, like the structure and like you said so well of like, here's the problems on Tatooine. Now there's problems uh, going to the Death Star. Now there are problems on, on the Death Star. Now they have to defeat the Death Star. Um, that it's got that great sense of movement to it. But in particular, the fact that it a lot of it comes from Saturday adventure serials uh, and actual pulp, pulp magazines, a, a little bit of the sci-fi mystery fantasy genres of... Um, of B movies that are pulpy, but also of the actual pulp magazines and early paperbacks. Uh, all of that is that aesthetic of is about um, sort of weird and dark things uh, up mm-hmm. to a point. Like, you know, the shadow, this mysterious uh, vigilante, you know, who with the, the strange cloak and the strange hood, it's a little bit of the tradition that somebody like Batman comes out of, or, uh, you get the the sci-fi ones that are you know, like, you know, John Carter is the somebody who who has to make his way in this bizarre, strange world fighting strange and exotic creatures. Uh, they're this specific intersection of storytelling that is about the thrill and it is about like the sort of the creativity of what bizarre worlds, what bizarre creatures, what bizarre uh ideas might be lurking in the shadows so there's a a real aesthetic to it but it's also uh which i think is is ultimately important to star wars a lot of them are kind of about titillation they're about like what is the most lurid and exciting thing that we can put on a cover that will make people buy a pulp magazine what will people make people want to tune into the next serial you know a a a person in distress tied up to a weird lightning machine. <laughs> like the, what in our psychology is being tapped into, what fears and anxieties are being tapped into um, by these strange, lurid images and ideas that make us want to know what's coming next. And I think that part of it is really, really important to me. It's, the, it's why I get excited about an ice spider because, and often I just say, it's, it's ice spiders, it's pulpy. I loved it when Peyton Reed called that out on the Disney Gallery. But the reason I love it is because that's an important part of the ideas of Star Wars 2, is not just uh, 
the pacing of the action itself, but what strange images or strange ideas are there either just for aesthetic joy because it's weird and we've never seen it anywhere else and you're not going to see it in the Fast and Furious movie, maybe eventually. Um, But in general, not ice spiders in Fast and Furious. So it's really different in it. Sometimes they're just for fun, just for, for being fantastic and escapist. But every once in a while in Star Wars, what is what is what deep fear or desire is being tapped into by how exotic and thrilling the action is? Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're adding weight to that term there because uh, we're definitely going to focus on fun. Part of this episode is to be like, yes, Joseph and I love to go deep into the philosophy of a three minute scene with Luke and Darth Vader, uh, but also. Uh, the the bigger picture around it, it's a package. But I love that you go back to that a little bit of just it is it is depth and the unknown challenging us and the unknown challenging the characters or what we think is known challenging us at times might be it. You might you might think you know what a nice spider is going to do. It's actually worse. Uh, I, I I like that kind of uh, theme there that you're discussing of of the, the the oomph behind the pulp. Yeah, the oomph behind the pulp, and you just said it in one word, which is so great: the unknown. So even when we're traveling with kind of worldly characters, right? That they can be people who have traveled the galaxy and know a lot and they can still crash land on a a place of like, I don't know what this environment is. I don't know what monsters are around the corner. I don't know what they want, you know? And so even though the galaxy can be known to us or sometimes known to the characters, there's still that sense of what weird thing is around the corner. What new challenge is going to present itself as soon as this one is resolved. Yeah, and how you react to that. You know, I'm, as you're talking, I'm picturing uh, Han Solo going, hey, it's me. And Luke going, everyone wait. Or Qui-Gon dropping to his knees and meditating. Like, uh, that's, that's how you react to that unknown or the tense, the tension and the tense uh, situations is, is how we learn, our, how our characters grow. And, and, and then along the way, how we are thrilled. Yeah, yeah. And I think just for me, the other part of it is, structure it is uh good bad or otherwise it's one of the things that i really focus on and i think in critical discussions of star wars it's important to to just see that that out of the frying pan into the fire structure is how the original trilogy started it is you know it's absolutely present i think in uh the prequels you know just look at the way something like the whole geonosis scene escalates you know First, it's an arena battle with monsters. Then it's Jedi versus uh, droids versus Geonosians. Then it's full-scale war, you know, and then it goes back to this intimate lightsaber uh, and force conflict between Yoda and Dooku and everyone. Um, That it's so there in the structure of the six films that Lucas basically made uh, with the other directors, obviously. Um, But that, to me, it it is, when I look at the, the new movies and the new TV shows, that's always a part of the... Solo is different because Solo really embraces this Mm -hmm. pacing and structure. Uh, The Last Jedi is different because it focuses a little bit more on some of the the philosophy and the um, relationship tension. And it's not as concerned with having, you know, as many big action scenes. So it has a different feeling and flavor. I think some of the tonal differences between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker that maybe people can't put their finger on why they like or dislike or, or what's different is totally this, that in Rise of Skywalker, it was an imperative to get back to this movement, this sensation of the thrill of adventure serial and pulp. 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The amount of uh, even people are like, I, I like the movie, but it, it moves so fast. And after the first viewing of Rise of Skywalker, I was like, wow, that was a fast movie. And, and it is. You you sl- you go along fast, but I I don't think it's as fast as as when you're first exposed to it. Obviously, things are going to slow down over time. We talked about that here before, but yeah, it, it definitely had it had a way different feel from what we had come out of. But it was very familiar fear feel feeling because uh, we've been there before. Yeah. And and I don't think it's good or bad. I don't think it like Star Wars has exactly this recipe and it has to be followed. I just think this is one of the big ingredients. And when different cooks remix the ingredients, uh, this is one of the like major like this is how much, <laughs> you know, this is how much sausage you put in that pot pie, <laughs> you know, and you can yeah, really feel the difference. <laughs> Four centers back to food. And uh, that's a, a good, warm, comfortable, not unknown for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh why for you uh speaking of food why do you think the the ingredient of the the thrilling side of star wars is is important i i think it is uh you know i was going to maybe tie it to a roller coaster but yeah look i'm i'm not i'll i'll try, I'll try. I, I'm not a fan of roller coasters. I've always grown up afraid of them. <laughs> you know, like I, I was always uh, part of that was my my mother was you know, I couldn't get on Space Mountain at Disneyland because she has uh, suffers uh, from you know claustrophobia. So to go down there at one point, you're kind of in a tunnel, and and she I, I, at seven I would be yanked out of lines, you know. And my dad and sister were going ahead, and my mom would be like, "We got to get out of here," and and I would be the one that I guess was yanked out of the line. So I grew up with <laughs> roller coasters, and I remember a little bit of, years later going to Magic Mountain and, and trying to conquer it. And it's like, once you face it unknown, then you're on it. Then the ride begins and it's a thrill. You got through the first loop and you're, you're like, I'm going to be okay. And then you drip, dip down and your contact flies out. True story. And you're like, I've got another problem. But I got through that. I went through the rest of the ride with one eye closed. And at the end of it, you, you kind of come to that ah, stop. And you're like, I did it. I survived. I got over a fear. And I think, uh, and I learned something about myself. And I, I really believe every Star Wars movie is there to teach us stuff about ourselves, about the world around us, that thing that George talks about that we just almost drive into the ground because it's just so important. The 12 year old, the outlook, looking at the world. But along the way, you're like, you just have that at the end of every Star Wars movie, uh, including Empire and Last Jedi, which are the, the darker toned ones. But you kind of have that Ah, wow, what a ride. And then you go back and start looking at all the little areas of the story. And that's why I think it's important. It can't just be, you know, that's why I always say Star Wars is fantasy, not sci-fi. It's nothing against sci-fi and not that some Star Trek stuff isn't thrilling or other sci-fi stuff isn't thrilling. But I go to say a Blade Runner, totally different tone. I You can't even compare them to me. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying there are some th- thrills in there, but it's not designed to do that. It's designed to be something else and probably has obviously a little nor in there as, to, as well. Yeah. But Star Wars, uh, just that, that's what I sign up for. That's why I keep coming back for the ticket. Uh, and I, I love diving in the world. I love the big themes, but I want to have that, ah, at the end of every story. <laughs> you want to lose a contact every time you watch Star Wars. I got to tell you what, it was X2. It was really bad. We were thought we were in the back car. We flipped around. Suddenly we were in the front car. My contact went flying out. God. That's <laughs> the day like a pirate. That is absolutely amazing. I have gone for a while with only one contact, so I know what that's like. Uh, but I, I just love it. I'm picturing it because we're talking about exciting movies. I'm picturing this real-life experience like a movie where it just goes whipping out of your eye and then the camera follows it and it just slaps into somebody's ice cream. <laughs> like what is this what is this clear plastic disc that just rained into my ice cream good times good times <clears throat> good times good times and really good thoughts um 
I shared a little bit already about, you know, why I think it's an important uh, part of Star Wars. But the other two words that come to mind is charm and stakes. Uh, the charm part of it is that definitely Star Wars sometimes has an action scene that you can see a very similar action scene in another movie. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think the ones that really resonate with me are, are the ones that are, they have lightsabers and they're in an exotic environment or they are in a quirky or weird or surreal environment because that's when it feels, that's when the pulp part of it, you know, really, really matters. It's not just about like, this is, this is how long in between action scenes. It's about that, just that exploration of genre of going through from everything to a, you know, strange uh, coliseum in Geonosis with monsters to, you know, zipping around uh, asteroids, you know, to uh, riding weird, uh, you know, snow lizards. Uh, not even that, that the Tauntaun scene, scene is that thrilling, but the, the thrilling scenes in Star Wars are always have a have a charm um this is what hal hickel was talking about in the uh, behind the scenes about the ice spiders uh yeah yeah you can you can see giant spiders chase people <laughs> almost anywhere that's hey come on ice spiders but yeah. you know when you got the frog lady there grabbing her clothes with her tongue as a part of the action sequence because that's a part of the terror of i, I sh she's nude and vulnerable you know and then mm -hmm. something as weird as it, it weird as funny as it's a frog lady. So of course she has a giant tongue to grab her clothes with like those kind of things being a part of the, the thrilling action sequences of star Wars. That's, that's the charm of them because we see all these weird delights during action scenes as well. Weird delights. It sounds like we're in Wonka's chocolate factory now, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you, you were uh, talking about this and I think that it, it Maybe the biggest picture thing for me, you were talking about going on the roller coaster and having the whoo and going through the thrill ride and then thinking about, you know, what what did you experience? What did the characters experience? What does it mean? And I think that's maybe for me, like the the deepest, most important part of it is I think Star Wars at its best doesn't stop to have an action scene because we we need one now. Like, mm -hmm. um, I absolutely adore James Bond. It's a different beast. But James Bond is a thing where it's like, well, and uh, and now some, for for plot reasons that may or may not matter, some dudes attack James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> so he fights. Star Wars, I think, at its best, doesn't do that. It's, things are at stake for the characters within all of the weird, uh, charming action. And I think the fact that it is a galaxy that is full of, exciting things and dangerous things is really important to the, this is for 12 year olds perspective for the mm -hmm. coming of age perspective of we, I think almost everybody on some level can relate to Luke on Tatooine, right? Of just, I got my boring life with my dumb chores. Can't ever really do anything. I want to go out there and experience it all. And then Star Wars is going like, yeah, cool. And some of it's going to be just mind-blowingly beautiful. Some of it's going to be so weird you can't wrap your head around it. And some of it's going to be really, really dark and awful and frightening. And you should be scared. <laughs> in, in a way, it's like the roller coaster ride is a way of saying, yeah, it's thrilling, but it's life. And yeah. sometimes you're thrilled and sometimes your contact whips out and you're terrified. <laughs> and you've got to get through it. Yes. Yeah. And how do you handle it? How do you handle being on a roller coaster?
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you afraid? You will be. Hold on to your contacts. <laughs> Hold on to your contacts, kids. That's <laughs> uh, a, a great evolution of the famous uh, Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your contacts. Was it left or right? It was right. Right. Mm. Right. And mm. spent the rest of my immediate headache. Oh, so just, you know, might as well. I can't go without them. And I don't, I didn't have backup glasses. I still don't. Oh gosh, I'm irresponsible. But yes. <laughs> uh, so we've talked uh, about what it means to Star Wars. Um, what, what do you think happens to Star Wars when the action, the thrills, the weird pulp excitement is missing or de-emphasized? I, I, and getting ready for this question, yeah, I, I guess you, you start going to uh, a more negative side of it, like, oh, if sometimes it might feel flat or like that. But it's, I also want to choose to look at this in a positive way of when thrill is either removed or, like you said, de- de-emphasized is a good word. I, th- that's where I go to the concert example and, and the song uh, dips a little lower and you're allowed to focus on other things that's part of the bigger picture. And again, it might be your definition of, of thrilling. Now I'm kind of talking about individual scenes. I always go, I love, you all know, I love Padme's ruminations. I love that scene. I love that moment. I think it's some of Hayden's best work, some of his best tears, some of William's best music. And I think it, it's one of my favorite Padme moments for what it means and what she's going through. And, and I wouldn't describe that as thrilling, right? I wouldn't describe that as otherworldly. Quite frankly, it's, it's almost like a, Closest to a breakup scene in a way. Um, but I think you're allowed. So then when when, it, when it's de-emphasized, for me, I can focus on other areas that fuel back into the the story and back into the the, the thrilling stuff. And it's not all sunshine. I, you just described not all thrills are sunshine. It's not designed to be that way. But that's what I go through, go to initially. Um, and I, want, I eventually want to come into the novel conversation or the <laughs> comic book. But um, that's where I'll go to now. Yeah, I think... Um I think for me, when it is, you know, missing or de-emphasized, and I think you make a really good point of I'm talking about within the whole structure of a, a piece mm-hmm. of Star Wars storytelling, because obviously we we need the quieter scenes, and yeah. you know, Luke on on Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back absolutely has some some action to it. He's literally, you know, uh, running, and and there's tension in flipping and, and swinging, and uh, and there's tension in every scene because what's at stake for Luke when he's trying to do something and failing? Like th- there's tension. They're good scenes, um, but yeah, but they're but they are a little bit more slowed down, you know. And and same thing with uh, some of my favorite scenes in the Last Jedi between Luke and Ray and Ray and Kylo. They aren't big thrilling weird fights, but there is absolutely. Uh, tension there and, and that's needed um so i don't ever dislike those scenes by any means uh, i think people listening <laughs> know that uh and sometimes they're set up really well as the characters are wrestling 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 with what they're going to do and then the action scene explodes out of their choice you know your example of uh padme and and Anakin, anakin's uh, padme's rumination and mm-hmm. them connecting and it, it that what gives that scene tension is not only the emotion of uh, Anakin's fear of losing Padme with the Padme's worry about the future, about what's going on, but that question of, is he going to explode into action? And even though anybody who knows the general history of Star Wars knows, of course he is, (laughs) it still serves to make it thrilling when he explodes into action. You know, I think uh, another great example of that in, in Attack of the Clones is, you know, when Obi-Wan, there's all this tension because Obi-Wan is telling Anakin, you're, you're already too into Padme and 
you know, our mandate is just to protect her, not use her as debate, not go off chasing. And then as soon as something happens, it's Obi-Wan who throws himself out the window. <laughs> so the action is informed by the, you know, the lower moment that came before. So I think those moments are necessary. But I think it does, I think it just makes Star Wars feel a little more like, less unique and less like Star Wars when it goes too long without some tension being paid off in action, uh, if that makes sense. Um, I think for me, uh, obviously I love Last Jedi. I've said many, many thousands of hours worth of complimentary things about Last Jedi. I I think about the uh, Father Chase a lot mm-hmm. because the Father Chase does fall a little flat for me. And I'm sometimes like, well, why? Because there are a bunch of individual moments that I think look visually cool. I love the big thematic idea behind it that Finn comes to say, well, you know, at least we smash up their town. And Rose says, no, we, we freed these animals. It's, it's right. beautiful. It's great. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a really, really, really important action scene because it, it's in a stretch of the movie where there isn't as much action. Right. So for me, it has to be really thrilling. And then I think the reason that it is sometimes not as thrilling is because it's not as... Um, it's not as connected to character perspective. It's why I really love the extended cut where, where we get to see the fathers being mm-hmm. pissed off and choosing to smash the town mm-hmm. because then I'm, then I'm riding through with that perspective of fathers going, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's F up this town. We're, we're mad. Um, so for me, I think when it gets uh, de-emphasized, it just, it, it feels like a part of the roller coaster that is going high, 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 high. And then it, if it, if it keeps going high, it needs to drop. So you get the thrill again? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you've mentioned the deleted version being one of your favorites because it's, it's definitely long, too. The, the, it's extended. Not I wouldn't even say deleted. It's extended. Version. Right, right, yeah. right. Excuse me. Yeah, no, but, but yeah, you're right. But that, that, that is uh, in, you know, often, you know, when you and I discuss things here on air, then you get in conversations in real life. Uh, I, I've cited that. And I've cited your your pointing out of, of this, from the father's point of view, but, but. If, if that was de-emphasized, yeah, then it, falling flat again. Like I said, it, when the thrill, when the thrill is gone from Star Wars, sometimes it it, it does naturally just fall flat, even when the, in the, within the stories we love. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, C three PO being carried around a droid, <laughs> a droid uh, construction uh, site there uh, <laughs> doesn't work for me. It's maybe similar reasons. You, you don't get a, a thrill from. Uh, I don't, you'll be able to clang, uh, just clinging to things. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, I think I am geared to think of movies first, and I think that's yep. you know uh, there are there are episodes of Clone Wars or Rebels or Resistance that um, Clone Wars has got uh, very action forward, but they'll still have episodes that are much more uh, traditional drama of all, all mm-hmm. the tension is in the conflict, uh, the interpersonal conflict between the characters, and will go a long way between action. Uh, but certainly there are episodes of Rebels like that. Certainly there are episodes of uh, Resistance like that. Um, and I don't, uh, I think I always want that that sense of the the weird and the fantastic and there could be action right around the corner to kind of be present. But I'm also fine if there's a uh, mm-hmm. an individual episode of television uh, uh, that ha- has a little bit more of traditional drama stakes. I don't need it to be action all the time. But I think when it's gone too long from movies, it, it really changes the the dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
How do you think Star Wars' action is different from action in other movies and TV shows? It, it really, gosh, you know, you and I grew up in the 80s. I'm thinking of Fall Guy and Airwolf here. I, you know, how, how could it be better? Um, I, I look, I think, I think in anything that we love, you become invested in the characters. But there is, there is joy. We always go back to joy. So thrill plus joy, it really makes uh, Star Wars action um, work for me and stakes. And when the galaxy is built so well in front of you, this is why I can get a great thrill, but also tears out of Radis coming out of hyperspace and identifying himself as part of the Rebel Alliance and striking. And that's a fist pumping moment we've talked about, but it's tied into the, the greater thrill. And I'm just so invested in these characters. It doesn't mean these other properties don't have it. Um, there's great thrill in the Marvel movies uh, and, and you can get swept up in it, even if you're not a deep, deep fan like me. And I think there's some moments in Endgame that will bring tears to my eyes too. Um, so it works there as well. But again, it might be for me, it might be just how are you connected to the individuals going on the ride and star Wars does such a great job of just pulling you into that world and you are there with them. And I feel the thrill with them versus other TV shows and movies. Sometimes it just washes over me again. Sometimes you just might not be invested or sometimes it might be bad. Um, I don't mind the first Transformers movie. After that, it's all a blur. And that's part of the, part of the problem. Um, and that's kind of where I go. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. I think that Star Wars can, it absolutely can just be the, the roller coaster you ride once and go, that was really thrilling. Uh, that There was some weird spectacles. It's, you know, it's cool that they have these uh, glowing laser swords and they crash together and they make the neat, neat noise. And it's, it can be a spectacle. But I think when Star Wars action really, really works, it is, you know, because the characters are really proving something to themselves. Um, mm-hmm. There are definitely great action scenes in Star Wars where uh, a character needs something. Even with the Fathers uh, scene, yeah, that's, you know, the Finn and Rose need to get to that ship to escape and to carry on this desperate mission, you know. But the ones that are really, really powerful to me and we're going to talk about a lot of our favorite scenes in the second half, but, you know, things like uh, Han escaping uh, in Solo, uh, escaping uh, from the the mining planet uh, from Kessel, it's definitely just like a high-stakes life and death, right? But we see high-stakes life and death a lot. What makes it really powerful is that moment where he he's, Lando asks him to take the ship and he jumps in and it's like, yeah. I've been telling people forever that I'm the greatest, that this is what I was meant to do, and I need to prove it or we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, look, and look, you can also be more connected parts of Star Wars than other parts, uh, not just in the examples you and I have discussed, but just overall as fans, and that's some of the discussion that goes on. Uh, um, but, yeah, when you're behind, uh, behind the... The purpose of the scene, the purpose of the action, it's just, uh, it's, that's where a lot of the thrill comes from for me. Yeah. And I think, uh, obviously uh, in general, a well-written action scene, it's has high stakes to the characters so that it's not unique to Star Wars. But I think because so many Star Wars stories are about, uh, some level of coming of age or, or grappling with a, a big momentous decision of choosing who you want to be. Uh, that the best Star Wars scenes, action scenes, the most thrilling are that it's visually thrilling and surprising, 
but also that it has this very specific kind of uh, morality tale element to it. Yeah, I, I figured almost every example of, of great action in Star Wars, you could pinpoint one, two, or even more lessons or accomplishments and things that you learn about the characters. And again, it, not limited to Star Wars and in, in, in just how you write any action scene should inform the character and the characters are in the scene making decisions as those characters. We get that. But in Star Wars in particular, it's just part of that magic. Each one is a victory or a defeat. And what are you going to learn? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm really intrigued by your great roller coaster analogy that if you took a roller coaster ride and then you got off and somebody was immediately said, what did you learn? <laughs> what did you learn? If the roller coaster was meant, was designed to also uh, teach 12-year-olds how to approach the world, that would be a thing. I would love well, to see that. Yeah, and look, roller coaster riding, like Star Wars, it grows with you. So the first one that day was learning, uh, I learned to conquer my fears and overcome obstacles. The 13th one, which we were riding Tatsu, which is one that gives you the example, it makes you feel like you're flying. Um, I learned that after 13, I get sick and the <laughs> roller coasters have, have uh, you know, grown with me <laughs> or I've not grown with them. <laughs> I understand. Uh, let's talk about how that thrilling vibe translates from uh, movies or TV. TV shows to books and comics and audio and uh, not directly visual mediums. Well, I guess comics are a visual medium, but you know what I mean. Not moving pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm interested in, in your thoughts. This is a... Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sincere, heartwarming podcast ever. Uh, yeah, this is... I was, gonna, I was hesitating because this is where I could, I could tend to go yeah, negative. We always, uh, you know... Uh, struggle to throw that word out there here at Force Centerland. Um, but yeah, I think Star Wars, look, the, the radio dramas are Star Wars. That's Star Wars for a lot of people from the 70s and into the 80s. Uh, the novels I mentioned, I, I just just loved the New Hope novel as a kid, even though I didn't fully understand why Luke was blue five in that one. Uh, you know, it was different. Um, but sometimes it, it's movies. It's movies that got us here. And that's what always was my fear with T Star Wars going to TV. And that included, you know, by the time the Clone Wars stuff was coming out. Uh, and I, I think even the 2003 version, I was like, eh, I don't know. Can it capture just that feeling where it's just all around me? The thrill, the joy, the momentum, the vibe of what's going on. It, it's sitting in a theater. And I know that that's a big discussion right now for a lot of folks. But just maybe even now in your home, on your couch. Can that story go all around you, 360, and just pull you in? I think it can uh, in, in the other forms. And I think Mandalorian has, has proven that. I think a lot of the books and comics have those moments. I do struggle a little bit with particularly books. I'm an avid reader. Uh, believe it or not, second grade, I read way above my grade level. I think that started to slip as I got, got older. But I love reading. I love being swept away. I don't often feel the same with Star Wars books, even though I love them. Even the books you've heard me on this show saying, I love, sometimes it just doesn't come off as thrilling to me in that classic Star Wars sense, even though that might be there, which is why, and we're not going into it yet, but The Light of the Jedi, it, it's cinematic to me. And I was so excited that once I started that book that I was like, I almost... I'm, I'm lamenting that they didn't make this a movie already. Like I want this, I, I feel it around me. I feel this novel. And that's, you know, again, the Testament to the author, but, but that's not to say the other authors who are great. Even some Claudia Gray's book, master and apprentice. I love, it didn't feel around me as much. Um, some of the Duke stuff didn't feel around me. And that's part of uh, the star Wars movies. It's this, th this thrill. I'm so on that roller coaster ride. 
Uh, some of the books don't get me in that way. They still get me, just not in that way. And so sometimes I feel there it's missing that spark. All of them, even going back to uh, Air of the Empire stuff, uh, that era, same thing. It just didn't have the same feel. And that might be me, how I take them in. Some of you listen to the audio dramas, and I hope you're using audibletrial.com slash force center to do that. <laughs> um, and that's I hear that a lot. You know, some buddies of mine that, oh, the sound effects, the narrator, I feel like I'm in the story. So it doesn't work for me. I drift off and I'm trying to think about what I'm going to get to the grocery store. Um, so anyways, that's uh, it, it. Sometimes it's a struggle to translate it from what we grew up with in the movies into other properties. That's just a long winded answer. Yeah, no, I think it's a good and insightful answer. Um, I think it's fascinating that we seem to know, at least you and I as Star Wars fans, and I'm sure uh, many other Star Wars fans have this uh, just uh, immediate recognition when the books have that same sort of feel of the stakes are high, the mm -hmm. uh, the you can see the almost see the events in your mind's eye, the characters are invested, and it feels cinematic. And I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, we didn't. We both read the first part of Light of the Jedi before talking about it. And it absolutely has that feeling. I think for me, some of it is the prose. Some of it is how quickly you get invested in the character's uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. So you really care about what's going on. I think some of it is really just pacing. Uh, there, that Light of the Jedi is lots of short chapters. So like characters are talking. They have opinions. There are scenes. But all of it is in service to it feels like the next problem could explode any moment. And I think that it, it, it is just this kind of choice to give it a pacing like that. Um, some Star Wars books have it. Uh, some Star Wars books don't. I absolutely love the Padme books. Um, mm -hmm. There isn't a ton of action in the Padme books. They're much more about uh, that feeling that danger or problems are lurking around the corner they have a great tension but it's a lot of it is sometimes it's physical danger uh but a lot of it is interpersonal danger or uh or, or, or huge choices about who people want to be or what they uh, will accidentally reveal about themselves or what they can't you know, allow themselves to to say uh and to me those books are still thrilling and still have mm -hmm. tension it's not the same kind of action tension i think I think when Star Wars books don't resonate as much with me, I'll still enjoy them as books. But I think it's a little bit more when that it's not so much even about the thrill or the pace of the action. It's about feeling like characters exist in a thrilling world where anything could happen. And I think that's what it is. Those Padme books, I feel like at any moment, Padme or the Handmaidens could encounter something they haven't encountered before and it could be a problem for them. And there's some Star Wars books where it feels like we talked, uh, we did an episode a while back about romance versus realism. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely want the Star Wars galaxy to feel lived in. And I want people who are, you know, hollow net journalists or whatever, uh, or, you know, uh, droid technicians uh, or cartographers to know exactly what they're talking about. Mm. But there's this danger for me of, if it slips into feeling like nothing too surprising can happen because this character has too much of a kind of mundane workaday life. Mm. I think that's where the tension drops for me sometimes. Yeah, that makes and sense. Then it's, it's not even about, sometimes it is about how much action is there? How well is it described? How much can I see it in my mind? 
But I think sometimes it's in books, it is just like that. How much do I have that feeling that this chapter could end at any flip of a page and something surprising could happen that gives me that cliffhanger feel that makes me want to flip the next page? Yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, interesting that this episode turns into book counseling with Ken and Joseph because you and I are love, we love everything's going on. And, and we're going to keep saying that to make, make sure everyone is clear. Uh, I go to the Alphabet Squadron books. Other people love them. I do love them a lot. Alexander Freed's uh, one of my favorite Star Wars authors. I don't feel there is a, a beat by beat thrill factor to those books. Um, but I love them and I love going, oh yeah, the cockpits are kind of cold because the AC is running cold in the X-Wing cockpits. I never stopped to think about that. <laughs> um, so it's just, uh, again, you said it like, I love them as books. It's, it is a different medium. I would expect it to feel different. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but sometimes when I, you know, I think when I started the alphabet squad and journey and there's great dog fights and there's great tension, there's great things that explode around the characters and there's great stakes. All that's there. This is, but I, I think I was expecting a whiz bang adventure, and we we got some think piecing in the cockpits, some great think piecing. <laughs> but it's just so it feels a little different to me, and I'm not pulled in as deep as maybe others are, which is by, also, by the way, fine, 100% fine. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful example, Ken, to help me think through the way I think about this. Is I think that this part of the Star Wars DNA that is the thrilling adventure serial pulp you know, put on the gas is an ingredient and different kinds of star Wars are going to have that ingredient in different mounts. And you can, and everybody's going to have their tastes of so sometimes they, they love that. And sometimes it doesn't matter. And something like for me, the alphabet squadron books are incredibly well-written books. The characters have rich nuanced perspective. They do encounter weird things that they don't understand. There is, you know, incredibly uh, high stakes that they're in. Um, so it all works for me. It's great writing. And then on top of that, I think Alexander Freed writes great action because I know exactly how damp their suits are. I know exactly how long they've been in the cockpit. Uh, he's one of those writers that makes me feel the, the terror of what it would be like to be in an A-wing and moving that fast and not knowing, you know, who's behind you, uh, all that kind of stuff. He makes me feel it. Now, on top of all that, there is a choice of just the action is spaced out. So yeah. there will be a great dogfight, and then you'll read many chapters of of conversations, interpersonal drama, before you get to the next moment of big action. So that's a part of it too, of the the sensation of the thrill of the turn the next page, and then there's just the literal how many minutes, how many chapters between action scenes. Yeah, yeah. So Catalyst comes to mind, Lucino. Uh, and if anyone out there hasn't read that book, not, won't get into spoilers, but, you know, we got Jen Erso's parents and there's a lot of science, a lot of uh, middle management nudging. Uh, there's a lot of, <laughs> but at any point, and it goes and uh, it goes across many years and eras. It's uh, That's another thing too. It's not like just right then and there. It's like, uh, you know, starting the Clone Wars and you work towards Rogue One. And it, it feels... I'm, I'm pulled in tension. It feels like things are about to explode at, at every corner. Uh, Rebel Rising has that too, as well, as does Freed's version of Rogue One, the novelization. Yeah. So it's there. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it, it's interesting that you can sort of apply this idea of what is the thrill of Star Wars? Uh, you know, where does the tension come from? What makes you feel propelled to keep watching or to keep reading or to feel like you are on? if not an action roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, that there are lots yeah. of different ways to get to that, to those ideas. 
and you know different books in particular are having different approaches to the roller coaster and now i want magic mountain to offer just a emotional roller coaster i can fit <laughs> i would love to be on a literal emotional roller coaster ah, oh um comic books uh for me I'll, I'll just throw throw this out there comic books have changed uh, so much since i was younger yeah. and they are they're if anything they're they're more foot on the gas of fewer words uh less uh plot per comic in a real attention to big splash pages big action and honestly comic books are one of the mediums where there are just straight up cliffhangers uh in star wars of of like there's a big shock you know of this character just finished one adventure then this other character bursts in oh no <laughs> what's gonna happen next uh so i in the in a way, I think the comics are very connected to this legacy of the thrilling adventure serial. Yeah, and, and I, I enjoy them. I think sometimes the characters and the decisions and the content, sometimes I, I even say they're so comic booky that uh, I almost <laughs> lose interest in them. Uh, that's, that's a weird thing to say. I get it. It maybe only works in my head. However, one of the things that really works, I, I don't know if this really follows in line here with what you're asking joseph but what really works for me in the comics are the downbeats more than anything some of my favorite moments where i'm like oh yeah oh yeah poe issue 14 oh yeah it's leia talking about her death and not a lot of thrill in that one it's vader looking out the uh, star destroyer and cracking the windows because he just learned a uh, skywalker was the name of the kid that blew up the death star so, so it's, it's weird and that might be because the comics again because of the medium have to focus on beat 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 thrill 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 and then when it takes a moment it, it is more impactful for me yeah yeah and, and i think you know we'll talk about that a little bit uh coming up here of what happens when you hit that beat of thrilling too often to the point where it's like yes they're in this comic book they are running down the hall and shooting lasers while talking but you know that, that we've we've seen that in in comic book form and movie form a lot so how do you how do you keep that freshly thrilling i love that you brought up the uh the vader uh, being told by Fett uh, the name, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, that is that is a picture of a, a scene that is not an action scene, but has action in it. It's almost like an over-the-top metaphor for... <laughs> remember, yeah. even in still scenes, there can be tension. There's a crack in the window. <laughs> you know? And it's it, there's a reason that we all remember it. It's a really strong, powerful, visual way to communicate that. Uh, would you ever be interested in seeing a star wars story television or movie that is that has actual cliffhangers like empire strikes back is absolutely a cliffhanger it is ending with all these questions but it also ends with this slight sense of we don't know what's going to happen next but they survived the adventure luke has a, a new hand he and Leia are in white. They're in this healing space looking out at the possibility of what's next. You know, it's not like, you know, Empire Strikes Back ends with uh, Vader saying, I am your father. <laughs> and we right. close up on Luke's face and then cliffhanger, right? Uh, so while there are cliffhangers in Star Wars and even in Clone Wars or some like, the story isn't quite resolved, but it's still got that little Empire-esque feel of we're going to tie a slight bow on this narrative, even though we're not not finished what i'm talking about is straight up episode of mandalorian where he gets his jetpack is gone he gets pushed off a cliff you don't know what's going to happen next bam would you ever be interested in that kind of cliffhanger in star wars definitely uh definitely in television you know in movies 
Yeah, look at Force Awakens. You know, I would say it's uh, it's emotional cliffhanger for sure. But if you tweak it to to fit in what you're saying of like instead of Le- uh, Ray holding out the lightsaber and Luke, uh, we're wondering what's he gonna do. Instead, she trips, she falls, a porg trips her, and now she's hanging from the cliff, reaching up to Luke. Does Luke save her or not? Do I want that? Yeah, I do. I don't know if I have the patience. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have the patience. That's why we also, uh, you know, people love binging. And I, I love forcing myself to have the patience, by the way. But yeah, I think it would work in TV. If I, if I have a week, I, I'm there. If I have two years or even a year in a movie to wait, I don't know if I can take it emotionally. Yeah. No, I, you, you're right. Uh, Ray reaching the, the saber out to Luke is, is Mark Hamill has made the joke of, I'm on a cliff. It's literally a cliffhanger. Uh, I think that is one of the best uh, sort of Star Wars cliffhangers of what is going to happen next. I think what I'm interested in, I love the cliffhangers. You know, I think I, I saw them so young as a kid in the uh, 1960s Batman show when I was watching the reruns of that as a kid. And it's such oh, a yeah. staple of comic books that I grew up reading. And and it's a, you know, a big part of these adventure serials uh, that Lucas drew inspiration from. But then on at, so, so I like it. I'm really intrigued by it, but there's this always this great uh, tension in star Wars in that it's half, you know, thrilling, weird genre B movie with deep mythology means a lot to people. That's one of the, you know, it's both absurd and profound. And that's one of the things I like about star Wars. But when, at times when Star Wars does really lean into the genre side of it, the pulpy side of it, fans are sometimes not sure. Uh, things like, why does Star Wars have a dopey name like Attack of the Clones? And like for me, it's like, uh, because that's absolutely Star Wars. Or like when we struggle with names like uh, Phasma of like, that sounds silly because it comes from that part of Star Wars tradition. And cliffhangers, actual cliffhangers, uh, really come from that tradition and i wonder if people would be bothered by them because they feel quote unquote cheap you know i i i think so in a general sense obviously individuals very uh yeah particularly in a movie i mean force awakens was yeah we'll say a cliffhanger but emotional cliffhanger it's not specifically you know examples we're talking about but uh yeah they've got tough that was so tough <laughs> it was really tough for f- film and TV audiences. Now it's a little different. It's a little different. And, and, um, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to think of just, there's some specific examples, examples in even game of Thrones, you know, Jamie and Braun in the water after loot train. And you just don't know. Yeah. Some of the characters might have plot plot armor around them, but you don't know on social on a show like that. So it can mess with your brain a little bit. And it's uh, stories are told a little bit different. Um, and people love answers and we have a problem with endings. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I take you. I take your point. I think for movies, I think I think part of it is people want to feel like they saw a complete story in a yeah. film, and I think Lucas, I think continued that tradition to the Clone Wars episodes of that. Even when there was explicitly, this is you know the middle of a three part story, and there was a bit of a cliffhanger. There'd still be a little bit of a button, and even with Force Awakens, which I think is a cliffhanger, we start with you know the goal to find Luke, and Ray did it. And now yeah. what's next? So yeah. I agree with movies, probably not cliffhangers. I would love the right, it would have to be the right Star Wars show that is already already embracing something, that it is meaningful to the character or to their life that or, or their challenges, that they're constantly in a, a state of doubt and, and we get left in that state of doubt of how are they going to get out of this one? Yes. Then yes. I would love it. 
yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm there for it. I'm definitely, uh, definitely uh, give me, I want Andor to have a cliffhanger every week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 that is actually a good possibility with spy stuff. Is Andor going to be caught this time? <laughs> Tune in next week to Andor. Oh no. Did he just meet young Tivik? <laughs> How will that relationship end? <laughs> Probably not good, but tune in next week. Yeah, I mean, I love this this kind of stuff we're talking about, but you know, <laughs> other people would be like, "What is that?" Yeah, you you and I apparently want the Ghost of Don Pardo to be part of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And speaking of cliffhangers, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into some of our favorite thrilling scenes from Star Wars and discuss why. We'll be back in a moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh-huh. 
Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back from our cliffhanger. I hope you weren't too worried about us. We're okay. I still have both of my contacts in. How about you, Ken? I do. I need to change them because I cannot see. Will Ken find his way around as a house? (laughs) What is his prescription? When will he get it refilled? Um, We're going to talk about some of the actual examples of thrilling things we love in Star Wars. So, Ken, I tried to break it up into kinds of general scenes in Star Wars. You know, uh, big battle, space battle, chase escape, lightsaber fight, blaster uh, battle, all those kind of things. Let's, uh, I want to hear what your sort of, your knee-jerk first reaction when you think of certain kind of thrilling scenes. So let's start with this first category of uh, big battles or space battles. What just instantly comes to mind for you it's battle of endor baby it's battle of endor the one that i sat in the theater at seven and just was like how is this gonna end oh my god i had no idea yeah seven so maybe i don't feel that later on force awakens you know i look at you know the trench run of starkiller base ah, you know i kind of had to figure figured i figured it'd be okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so, go ahead hey, Age or you know you know your ability to understand these stories as you grow up obviously changes your, your the thrill and changes where you find the thrills which again is probably part of what we're talking about here too, uh, but yeah I go to Endor man Endor. And was it because that attachment from youth of truly not knowing how it would end? Do you still get a a thrill when you watch it? Yeah, I do. I I really do. I mean, the, I, I I celebrate the, the victories of the characters now more in, on an individual basis. Uh, love Wedge. I love Wedge getting to say, you know, lock S foils in attack position. I love Wedge getting to the, the shot on the, on the North uh, Reactor or whatever. I, I love all that. And I'm invested in his story. I invested in Lando. I invested in uh, Chewie, uh, Tarzan in his way to an ATSC. So it's a, a more, it, again, the thrills come from a different spot. Um, but uh, yeah, it works. It works well as a kid. I mean, when 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 Palpatine says fire at will, Commander, and he starts knocking out cruisers, I I, I couldn't believe it. How are they going to get out of this? Uh, that and, and you know, and the trench run in New Hope is probably the the number one example, and clearly set the tone. Clearly, what George was going for. You want to talk about ticking clocks and ticking time bombs? That's what you got. Um, but for me, it's Endor. It's still it's still. Um, I still love watching that. That's why Jedi, I know a lot of people, Jedi is their favorite for the reason, that reason and the victory and all those kind of things. But Jedi will always have a special place in my heart because of what it did to me. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. When you look at it back on it as an adult and what we're talking about in the first half with action in Star Wars, not just being, you know, a car chase like you could see on 
any show in the late 70s and 80s. Um, uh, Three's company practically had car chases. Car chases were everywhere, you know, in that general era of time. But this is, that wasn't, you know, you sitting in that at theater, what was like weird about it to you? What was like, I can't see this anywhere else? I, I mean, Ewoks. Oh, I, you know, Ewoks. Because what was I seeing? You know, I had no idea. Uh, I could see humans on the screen and, and my dog, Chewy, you know, I could see that. <laughs> I can wrap my head around that, but it felt so different from anything at the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm still so young at that point. I'm not watching a ton of things, but I'm watching shows. You know, I was a big fan of chips, watch chips every week. Do, 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 watch all that. But this was otherworldly. And I just felt completely uh, you know, I'm, I'm terrified of the rancor, all those kind of things. Jabba, I would, I remember I had the Burger King Jabba's uh, Palace Burger King one, which I believe also had the Sarlacc pit on it. The, and the I, glass? The glass, the, the classic Burger King glass. And I would hate to put my Kool-Aid in it because I felt the I, I didn't, I felt like I was drinking out of uh, uh, the Sarlacc's <laughs> mouth and it just affected me. And I just, I carried that with me. And I can still, I can still remember seven-year-old Kenny sitting there going, oh, no, this doesn't taste good. Uh, because it was, it felt like it was from Jabba's palace, which was grimy and gross. It was otherworldly. And so that final fight, you know, come on, Ewoks, man. They're, that's the big, biggest thing. And and just wondering what's happening and, and how they're going to get out of it. But those little teddy bears, man, I I, I guess that's why I, need, I always need to give them more credit than even uh, they get now. Yeah. Okay. That is absolutely fantastic that some part of you was concerned your your Kool-Aid was a weak way blood that you were drinking yeah. from the Sarlacc pit. It's it's visceral. I can I can I'm getting the hot spits thinking about it. Because <laughs> we had three of them. We didn't have the whole set, and I, you know my mom would be in control of you know reaching up to the cupboards, and it was like please be the Endor one, please be the Endor one. <laughs> oh, that is great. But that makes sense that that would Ewoks are yeah you, you know that you're not going to see uh, murder bears every day, and that is mm-hmm. one of the things that makes uh, Star Wars thrilling. Yeah, I think for me it, the one of the first things that comes to mind is the. Um, is the trench run uh, for big battles, for space battles. I think because it is just so incredibly well constructed, it is otherworldly. It does have this obvious relationship to the real world with, you know, Lucas cutting it together and and the editors cutting it together from actual uh, plane battle of footage. But, you know, the Death Star is so weird and terrifying and the design of the X-Wings and, and TIE Fighters were so incredibly different from any kind of generic science fiction spaceship. They had so much uh, personality. Uh, R2 has so much uh, personality. The look of the of just the Rebel pilots' outfits is like so different and so like you talk about pulp influences like one of the big things about like uh, actual pulp magazines and paperbacks is the extreme colors, the extremely dark blues and purples and then just cutting across them lurid red and orange and, and even that there's like you're in this dark space this horrible gray machine and then these lurid bright orange you know mm-hmm. jumpsuits there's a lot about it visually yeah that felt very very different uh back in the day and then then when you examine it you know the total life and death stakes uh luke's growth whether or not he can you know fully step into a larger world is at stake uh by the end of it, it's it's Han's growth of him turning around. It's R2's safety. We've fallen in love with him over the course of the movie. And then you're worried about him. You're watching all of these ships explode. And, and so the, the death and, and the danger feels real. The, 
the cuts back to how concerned Leia is and how close the Death Star is to clearing the planet, like all that stuff just works really well to just to make it thrilling. Right. And, and even to this day, when there are parts of New Hope at the beginning of like, yeah, by I've seen this a million times and by modern standards, it's a little slow. I never feel that in the trench run. It's just so mm-hmm. thrilling. Capital T thrilling. Yeah, and and it's so good. I'll tell you, I mentioned The Force Awakens one before. I'll mention it here again. Because it was so similar, perhaps by design or perhaps just where the story went, it's still... I remember the fourth viewing of Force Awakens. That's right, the fourth viewing of Force Awakens in the theaters. I the, the the Starkiller base attack was actually my favorite part of that particular viewing, and I remember being kind of like excited about that because the first three, it just that sequence just fell flat for me, and I was like, another X wings on a trench run. Uh, part of that isn't about the Force Awakens. A lot of that is about how just damn good New Hope is, and George and the editors once they got it. <laughs> you know, once Marshall Lucas and team fixed it, like that, that's just everything. It is the, one of those just in terms of cinema. It's perfect. And the, the shadow of that sequence just is still over almost any part of Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, I think sometimes there can be like, but X-Wings were zipping around. Why is it not as thrilling? And like it, it has to come from something right uh, it, it really well. And, and I think Force Awakens works for me when I really connect to to Poe when I really connect to Han uh, yeah. and then it, it, it starts to get uh, thrilling again. So it's not just cool, cool spaceships, um, yeah. cool spaceships matter, but, um, but uh, yeah. you need a yeah, yeah. big picture thing too. Well, that sequence, that sequence works more and more for me from what, again, it Han's journey. This is almost like Han's final stand, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So you're, you're right. But the, the rest of it, it's, it also has got some of my favorite shots. Just, you want to break it down of like, I love the shots of the outside of the X-Wing. It's very realistic and all that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, so it works for me now. Um, but yeah, it's gonna, you know, hard to hold, uh, hold anything to that trench run. Yeah. You know what the most thrilling part of, uh, of that scene to me is, is, is Poe zipping through the very small hole that, mm-hmm that Han and crew successfully uh, blew because it's just got that visceral of like, you're going fast and that is very small <laughs> space. Yeah. Uh, but also it's like, that's, that's the moment where it all comes together. Han is the one who's like, they're not getting the galaxies depending on us. We have to turn around and blow a hole in this thing so they can get in there. And then, you know, Poe holding on, you know, holding on to that hope and then seeing that, that tiny crack and that's all he needs, you know? And yeah, yeah it's, it, it does get back to the characters. Uh, I think for me, uh, another, you know, big battle, space battle uh, is the reason that I think people love Rogue One. Many reasons, but that whole third act, right? Uh, there's so much going on with the the desperation of the characters. Every character is, is you know, bravely making this, uh, you know, this taking this big stand that they're like, we formed a whole military and maybe we shouldn't even do this, but we're gonna anyway in the just that baton of of hope of literally like got to connect this to this to this so we can get one more chance fight for one more chance uh that's what makes every beat of that thrilling if you didn't have that desperation of just we're going to take one shot and we're going to maybe make it we're maybe going to not like the uh the x-wings trying to get through the shield gate before it recloses is thrilling Mm -hmm. to me because it's a visualization of the the actual emotional idea of we, we have we have a chance and it's going to close right yes yeah oh yeah that, yeah that whole that third act is just you know it's playground fun but with so much weight and stakes yeah 
And, and you could take so much out of the individual beats and moments too. I was just talking about the the hallway scene with Vader. Just it's like someone's like it doesn't achieve anything. It's like it literally achieves what you can't get to the dark side. It's so it's its own little sequence, uh, and, and it's all part of the the big tapestry there. And that's why it works. Different conversation. Yeah. That'll be our deep dive into uh, the third act of Rogue One, <laughs> which we could absolutely do. But I mean, the Vader hallway is definitely on my list as part of this because. It is, to me, the the reason I find it thrilling beyond the fact of it's just Vader unleashed and the action is cool. But the reason it's thrilling to me is it's what I, I love seeing that hallway scene through the rebel's eyes of evil can seem the way Vader does in that scene of just an unstoppable force that like, how are how can they resist that? Why are they even trying? Look at just all of that power that is going to control them and and they can't stand against it at all but they're still trying, you know? That's what that scene is to me about, about how unstoppable evil can feel. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope I didn't step on your answer for the next question, because I, I did step on my own, but... Um, we'll <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. We can we can be uh, thrilling and jump tracks on our roller coaster. It's just fine with me. Yeah, uh, yeah the last thing I wanted to say about uh, the Rogue One, the space part of the battle in particular, mm-hmm. is I do, I love action scenes when... Uh, when you can see the the creativity, not just of like the filmmakers, but the characters. And I find the hammerhead sequence um, thrilling, not because the two Star Destroyers smash into each other, but because of the creativity behind it. Of, mm-hmm. you know, Radis comes up with an idea. You know, he, it's not just that he puts the flipper down and says, we're going. It's mm-hmm. that he has the creativity to back it up, you know, and that hammerhead move is thrilling because it feels desperate and creative. Oh yeah. The rebellion, that's how, that's the only, only way the rebellion can win. They're almost built on that. Right. And, and it's, it's a great moment. Oh. Yeah. Rebellions yeah. are built on hope, desperation and creativity. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not as catchy. Yeah. 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 It doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Yeah. So uh, those are, we could talk more about big battles, space battles, but we're going to contain ourselves. That's the theme of the second half of this episode is we're going to contain ourselves. Uh, Another kind of uh, thrilling scene for me that I think happens a lot in Star Wars is a chase or an escape. Now that could be in a ship that could be in a hallway, (laughs) but for you, what, where do you go when you think about chases and escapes? Uh, so escape, I, 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 I'm so glad you brought up the Vader hallway scene from the perspective of, of the rebels. Cause that's an escape. I love that scene from not necessarily Vader's perspective, but as a lifelong, you know, star Wars fan, seeing what we were always feared of, of Vader's capabilities is another way to watch the scene too. But I think from the rebels point of view, Oh, that's an escape and that's a horror movie and you got to get out of there. We can talk about that in a second, but to go to chase a man going back to return of the Jedi, that, that speeder bike sequence. Uh, as groundbreaking as it was at the time and everything about it. And yeah, it's funny. You can watch now and go, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I'd love, maybe they could reshoot this scene. And, uh, you know, um, but I love it as it is. I love what it represents. And I love that Star Wars movies, even with uh, George coming back and, and revisiting a lot of them, they still are of their time and speak to the technological advancements they made at the time. That speeder bike sequence is just everything to me. It is the speed. It is the thrill it is George going. Yeah. I like, I like, uh, motorcycles and cars and things going fast. And I try to put that in the other movies. We're going to really do it now. And I, I, that's my favorite chase. Yeah. What do you feel? Um, what do you feel in your gut is at stake? Like there's, there's absolutely the speed and there's absolutely, I remember as a kid being like, I want to do that, but I'm also so scared 
how how could you possibly go that fast with that many trees? There's death everywhere. I, I remember having that tension about the actual action. But as you're, you're watching as an adult, mm-hmm. what's sitting in your gut? You know, what are, what are you hoping gets accomplished or doesn't get accomplished? Or who are you afraid for? That kind of thing. I mean, you're afraid for everything the rebellion has done, including the the many Bothans who died to make this all happen. It's gone in an instant. It's gone in, in Han snapping a twig. And if those bikes get away, it's all it's all destroyed. The the, the mission's in jeopardy. And 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 you know, at this point, you don't um, you know you don't feel you're on you're alone on this planet. You don't know about the Ewoks yet. Uh, you you know, uh, it's just them. It's this band of our band of heroes. Literally, this band of brothers and sisters down there on the on the on the on the fourth floor. They need to make this happen. And it's literally a snap of the twig, and just the panic. And I remember as a kid watching it and I st- it still resonates for me now of just like, Holy beep, we've got to go. And there's no hesitation. Leia's out the door first. Leia wait. And Luke's there with him, with her uh, jumping on. I loved all, everything about that. And you're right. The death, the panic. The, I, I, I used to try to reenact the scene on my bicycle. I had to switch to the palm tree in my backyard. Cause I was afraid I was going to hit one of those mailboxes on my neighborhood. Uh, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It is an, uh, you and I have discussed it, but I think it is an overall underrated Leia moment. And, and the way you're describing it is, is perfect. Like, you know, Han snaps, uh, steps on the twig and the future of the rebellion, the future of the galaxy is that fragile, fragile that a, the stiff, uh, a twig snap can ruin it. And Leia just like, no, that no discussion, no nothing protecting everything we've built. Yeah. It's so, so powerful. And then just some great, uh, this is some great Luke moments, you know, I, love the way the way he ignites the lightsaber of like all right i can still handle this and there's just like such poise and confidence in the way he's like and he's just he the rest of his body is so stock still the way Mm -hmm. that lightsaber comes on is like it's just like he is the lightsaber now ah yeah yep it worked great stuff uh two big chases uh that that are meaningful for me when i think of thrilling star wars I think sometimes when I think of the thrill of Star Wars and the adventure serial, the very first thing that comes to mind is the the Falcon in the asteroid field mm-hmm. uh, of the we got to get out of here. Just that's just like the absolute to me epitome of we are in trouble, but maybe if I am fancy enough, daring enough, I can get us out of this. And the or the just immediate like, all right, we are being chased. By Star Destroyers, I made them fly into each other to buy us a little bit of time because I'm that good of a, a pilot and I know this many tricks. And now I'm going to do something I really shouldn't. I'm going to go into this absolutely terrifying asteroid field and zip and zag around it in this thrilling way. And I've actually now maybe made our problems worse. And then when I think I've found a solution, I am actually in the belly of a giant exotic creature. And I even there just barely make it out of its teeth to me like that. Everything about that, that's thrilling in star Wars. That's pulp in star Wars. Yeah. Oh God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The asteroid one and the, some of the best music too. The music just really, really uh, just, uh, you know, not, not to say make it better, but just really it's there. It, it stands out. Yeah. Yeah. And just, the, I think, I think that even though it's not all connected in one sequence, that's when I, when I talk about, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire. It's, you know, from the empire to the asteroids. And then that weirdness of like Han kind of seems to get that. Oh, I've heard about these, but there's utterly preserved sense of 
the, this galaxy is huge and it is full of strange, unknown things. It's not like Han's like, ah, yeah, Exegors, you run into them every day. He's like, he's he, he kind of thinks that this is maybe what this is. This is an old legend. It feels like that, you know, the spacefarers tell you about. Uh, and, and so it's got that, like, there's nowhere safe to go. We're in an asteroid field and we can't even land without landing in the belly of a beast is so both mythic and pulp together. Uh, well said. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, the other one for me is, uh, I think one of the strongest parts of the force awakens is, uh, Ray and Finn's, uh, escape in the Falcon. Um, we have that thrill of nostalgia, particularly when it happened and, you know, the garbage will do and everybody saw the tarp blowing up and there's the Falcon and it, it's great. And it, it has that, that sense of this, uh, this particular feeling of star Wars is coming back to life. Uh, that's the Falcon coming back to life, but it's also, you know, this great story of Ray and Finn being competent, but inexperienced. And are, are they going to, are they going to be able to make it? And it, it just really, I think that sequence and their sort of childlike joy of, hey, we did it. We escaped. You know, you, we, you did was amazing. What I did was amazing. Um, it taps into, in a way, it, it's like they are the kids playing Star Wars <laughs> and discovering that they can do it. And I think it just, it really taps into into a specific kind of power of of thrill from the original trilogy. I absolutely believe that that sequence is, is an all-timer. And that is 20 years from now. We always joke of podcasting in the future when, when we're uh, doing our stuff still. But there's going to be other shows and other books being written and other documentaries being made or whatever. There's going to be an entire generation of fans that cite that sequence, similar to me and the speeder bikes or something. I'm glad you brought it up. It is still one of my favorite parts to watch. And I always I always say this about the Yoda, Yoda Dooku fight in Tactic Clothes. Like, I was there. I heard you all clapping in the theater. Don't deny it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was there. We were all there. And that sequence especially when uh, Finn, uh, you know, the, the shoots that final tie fighter. It's, it's a, it's a cheer inducing moment. Yeah. Sequence. And I'm glad you brought it up because I think not only does it work for us, but I just, I can't, I can only imagine being seven in a theater and watching the garbage will do and not really fully understanding why your dad or mom are cheering, <laughs> <laughs> but going, Oh, that's, you're going to get on garbage. Can they do it? And, and I, I can only imagine what a thrill that had to have been for if you saw it like that. Yeah. And it's got that great, great moment of uh, of quirk of when the one tie crashes and then the junkers are just on it immediately. Like just what that says about Jakku is so like weird and thrilling in itself. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then to lightsaber fights. Uh, this is a big category. I know you did a really good episode of, of Ranked kind of uh, going through some of the meanings behind all the lightsaber fights, right? Yeah. Uh, Andres Cabrera. Uh, one of our, our one of our favorite Star Wars talkers. Go listen to his show, Sabak, uh, Sabak the Block, with Emma Fife on f- uh, First Cut. Um, yeah, we we really went into that, and it's a good discussion. So, uh, but again, what what the fights are about, and and might sometimes be different than what's your favorite f- lightsaber fight too. Uh, I don't know if mine changes, but it might for yours listening out there. Yeah, yeah. So for you, Ken, what is what is the the most thrilling lightsaber fights? What are the most thrilling lightsaber fights? Well, sir, it's when uh, there's things at stake. Uh, no. um, um, going gut level, I still I still go to the Return of the Jedi battle. Uh, it's part, but it's also part of the in- indoor sequence. And I got to admit that, even though we're talking space battles, and you got ground battles, and you got lightsaber battles, I, it's hard to separate it for me. Yeah. 
Um, it's part of that, but that one, that one works. Um, I always will say the Kenobi mall Two battle and rebels is my, as I say, my second favorite lightsaber fight. It's a different kind of thrill. It almost doesn't fall into this conversation here. I will say, I'm telling you, rise of Skywalker, Ray and Kylo. I just love that fight. I love the way it looks. It's otherworldly, but it's on not only a wreckage I'm familiar with, but I grew up near the ocean. So waves look very familiar, but, but it's, it's so just foreign and, and out there and intergalactic. And, and uh, I just, I just think there's so much at stake. There's so much for the characters and there's also so many new cool things and the leaps and the jumps. And then I, I love that lightsaber fight. I really do. Yeah. I, I am right there with you on that one. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we've talked about it a, a little bit recently of, I love the sort of water theme in, in their relationship, uh, but this version of it is, is, it's just so, it's so cold and it's so miserable and it's, they're, they're still fighting over uh, trying to move forward and they're on this just a piece of old broken down history and they're doing these fantastic leaps and it is both vicious and thrilling because and, and there's some new stuff that we haven't seen of like just using the force to slow down the blade and all that. So it's got like a lot of surface level thrilling stuff, but I just love that. It's a really different lightsaber fight where it is about two people at their lowest, you know, who, mm-hmm. you know, are who both kind of know that they, they want to find some way to connect and they just can't. And they just haven't found any way to do anything, but just hack at each other. And it's, they're just so close to breaking and you can, feel that and that's a, it's a different kind of thrill you like it's almost it's almost like a, you know if a lightsaber uh battle could be like a, a sad breakup song <laughs> and it just... I, I think it's a Gautier song <laughs> the lightsaber battles that i used to know mm-hmm. <laughs> i i will trust you the dj it's a it's a weird pull for me but yeah it is it's thrilling because it is just power unleashed um but there is also just like a, a, a desperation to it i think um i think it is one of the scenes that that the action the thrill is is really married to the deeper meaning really really well um i think for me um i go to uh, just gut level reaction for thrill uh, is the bookend of the first Obi-Wan Maul and the last Obi-Wan Maul uh, from, from the Phantom Menace to Rebels. Uh, I love that that battle between... I love the whole thing with Qui-Gon. There's a bunch of great stuff there and very Star Wars otherworldly. You know, what is this weird room with all these, you know, weird circular but kind of aesthetically beautiful but kind of, you know, just a utilitarian type of uh, panels. Uh, all that stuff is great. The laser great gates are are great and then them having meaning. But seeing that Obi-Wan, you know, pumping himself up, ready to fight, really being concerned about how much of this is about stopping uh, this villain and protecting Padme, which is his mission, and how much of this is about, you know, avenging his master. And then... I just I I know other, it doesn't work for other people, but I love how how choreographed it is that these are people who have studied the same art and they know the same moves and they're looking for a weakness in one another's knowledge of the moves. Uh, and there's just so there's so much power in it. There's so much uh, intensity in it. 
and for the for me that's that's what makes it the most uh, thrilling and, and i think knowing that obi-wan i'm so rooting for obi-wan personally because i'm such a big obi-wan guy and knowing that he's the the padawan learner and and maul already took down the master and that gives it a kind of thrill uh, to me as well uh-huh. mm-hmm. and yeah and then i think just the rebels uh fight is so great because it is the it is all tension all character all build up and it is thrilling in its lack of thrill <laughs> you know it, it is thrilling to me because it is so obi-wan being such a great jedi it, it, he is only igniting his blade to defend uh luke from from being discovered by maul and you know that great connection and callback to their first battle uh in, in b- building up that great tension of, of obi-wan changing poses uh leading to you know, it's it's the greatest lightsaber fight to say that lightsaber fights are cool, but also that's it's not what they're about, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why I think you and I both love it so much. Yeah, I could say that that Rebels fight is it's, it's a different podcast altogether, but just uh, you know, maybe one day we'll do a scene by scene on it there. But just I, I, I it, it didn't just like it didn't like open up a whole new way of looking at Star Wars to me. I think a lot of that was always already there, especially by that time in my Star Wars viewing. A lot did change for me after 2015, but. I, I I I joke, but it's almost like it's such it's such a spiritual thrill that 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 whole sequence mm. uh, that I felt I felt like on the Beatles who were like I, I, we went away to the Maharishi for a while now we're writing sitar songs like I, it changed me it, that that whole sequence changed me and it, and it's uh, that's part of what you're describing uh, uh, the the thrill it isn't all just the breakneck action it it's uh, what's at stake and what's you're learning uh, what you're learning in this in this crazy world so yeah uh, I, I love that love that moment yeah. Absolutely great. And I like that idea of doing a scene by scene about it. Uh, I am going to contain myself. Uh, I'm tempted to list almost every major lightsaber battle, but I'm going to contain myself. We're going to move on to blaster battles. Uh, are, are, for you, are there are there thrilling moments when you think of just kind of more straightforward, uh, maybe blaster, maybe combined with a little bit of hand in hand combat, uh, combined with some chasing? What do you got? Yeah, I... I, I... I was going to make the joke of, uh, have you heard of the Battle of Endor? Uh, there's a lot there too, but I, I'll tell you what, you just kind of nailed it. It's a combination of, of all of it there. But uh, going to New Hope and and them trying to get off the Death Star is definitely an escape. But there's something in, in Han and Chewie and their blaster battle in a hallway that that's kind of a template thing for me as well in Star Wars. That's obviously one of my early exposures to it um so i always go to that there's other great moments i i I love we haven't really even touched on solo i I think there's a lot of great things in that movie that i think i i could could answer in some of these for some of these questions but i'll go to that one han running ah, turning the corner i don't care what version if i don't care if there's two stormtroopers standing there or a whole legion doesn't matter the version doesn't matter it's what he found at the end of that hallway and how he has to survive it's it's han it's it's han landing uh not always uh ass and butter but trying to find his way out of it and 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 <laughs> chewy chewy doing the uh oh we're going the other way uh, here we go again there's so much there and just blasters uh flying off the wall you know i, I could go to the the hall the 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 beginning of new hope is a blaster battle that's always stuck with me uh, them getting the princesses all that but i'll go just again it's it's, it's chase escape it's all of it but but blasters the sounds ring in my ears for that sequence yeah open the blast doors close the blast doors yeah Yeah. a lot of great stuff going on there uh interestingly i think the the one that is my just knee-jerk reaction uh in you know we are of the generation that grew up with the original trilogy obviously is uh luke and leia uh on the bridge that's a great 
just mm-hmm. here's problem on top of problem. It's not that they're just in the hallway and they're being chased. It's that they, uh, you know, run to this place where they almost fall down this, you know, bottomless pit. <laughs> yeah. There is a bottom, but it feels bottomless. This huge shaft and Luke's blasted the control so they don't have a way out. Oh, they come up with this weird, let's swing across, which is very, you know, mythic, very uh, uh, harkening back to kind of older adventure serials. Uh, and then I think because they're in this, like the stormtroopers are coming from this side, uh, getting through the, the, the door. When those stormtroopers come, and are firing on them from above, they've got so many problems (laughs) piled up. And, you know, this is Luke kind of taking his first steps into being an action hero, uh, you know, being a a warrior. And this is, this is that part of like, I wanted adventure. Ah, I might die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you feel that the way the, there is a, a great tension to the way they're ducking behind that door. I love that Leia takes the blaster you know, uh, we get our, our first Star Wars Wilhelm scream. <laughs> uh, there's so much in there that's just like, that's that's the tension and fun that you can get out of a blaster that's more than just pew pew back and forth. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and the sequences are definitely uh, married together, obviously. And, and another another example of just uh, just a masterclass in, in editing and pacing and reveals of each problem and how the problems look. You mentioned the stormtroopers shooting from above. I just... Remember that? I remember as a kid too, probably watching it on a VHS copy tape from TV. When when Luke's like, I guess I just shot the controls. I was like, Why did you do that? You know, it's like <laughs> ah, like it, it works. It works for a reason. Yeah, it's super great. Um, uh, I was trying to make sure that that I cast my my mind wide, thinking about thrilling moments. Uh, yeah. So I agree with you in Solo. I think um, I'm I still find it thrilling every time I watch the kind of final showdown in in Dryden's yacht between. Han, Dryden, and Kira. Um, mm-hmm. I think for the same reason, because that's Han really coming face to face with all that bravado. And then Dryden just seems like such a killer. And and that, you know, when you see his uh, his uh, Kyozo Pitars slash mm-hmm. the floor and you it really makes you feel like that could have been Han. And, and Alden Ehrenreich does such a great job of truly looking terrified. And then, you know, on top of it all, you get the great reveal and the great uh, you know, Tarascasi moves <laughs> yeah. from Kira, but that's a really thrilling sequence to me. Like, that's about the action, but it's also about what's at stake. Yeah, no, and I, and that's one I remember. You know, especially coming out of uh, the theaters uh, during that era. You know, uh, it was May twenty eighteen, another lifetime ago, right? Uh, I I get that it might not be surprising to the audience that Beckett walks out. I understand that, and I just think sometimes it's how we take in. You know, it's natural to take it in that way, but I'm I'm with you. It, it's it's never been about Beckett the surprise. It's Han dealing with Beckett. It's Han um, outplaying him, and and it's the lessons, and that's a lot of what makes that sequence. You know, I've heard people. I wasn't shocked when Kira stabbed Voss. I, I wasn't either. That that was kind of the point to me. Uh, I know it's not going to work for everybody. Totally get that. But uh, that sequence, uh, uh, absolutely something I enjoy. I could tie in the Emphasis Nest stuff and and, and the uh, uh, Three Amigos prank they play on, on uh, Boss's Army. I love it all. I really do. It's a good sequence. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, last thing that I'll just mention, this isn't. it starts as a blaster battle, but then it goes away very quickly. One that I, I have found really thrilling of late, there's a lot of great action in Mandalorian, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I just love in the Rick Famuyiwa episode, uh, Mando on the train when he is trying to use his his armor in the way he normally would and it just crumbles because he's not wearing his best scar yeah and 
I just feel so hooked into that because it's that, that whole episode is about how far will he go? Will he, he's going to bend the creed. Is he going to just snap it in two for the child? And that, that action is not only just really well done action, great fight choreography, but it is all about him being vulnerable because he, he literally has made himself vulnerable with his crappy Imperial armor. And then because of that, he needs to absolutely be on the top of his game as just a fighter. And, mm. and that makes that scene thrilling to me. Yeah. Uh, put a pin in that episode. <laughs> exactly. This, this episode is just turning basically into our, what uh, scenes do we want to talk about later? Uh, I wanted to be sure to talk about uh, non-action scenes that you still describe as thrilling. You've mentioned a couple as we've gone, but I think that is a part of it is that the, the roller coaster of Star Wars is tied to the action and the emotion are there moments that you feel like a huge fist pumping thrill out of that aren't action at all? I, I, this is the, the Mando conversation. Uh, like you, when we want to discuss these, we want to make sure we're looking at all areas of Star Wars and not just reflecting, uh, you know, me being seven in 1983. Uh, I will go to this Mando episode you're, you're mentioning here, the, the, the Bill Burr dinner scene. I, I absolutely think, um, you know, Mayfeld uh, and uh, Din and, and the Imperial officer, name escapes me we'll call him night king one i it is it, it, a lot of people draw the examples to some tarantino stuff and particularly uh, glorious bastards and i think that's all accurate i think it's all part of there but it's a thrill ride for me because each beat is just uh just tension on a track and it goes up it goes down is mayfeld gonna be okay with this does he agree with him Oh, he's crying. Is he going to whimper away? And you got, you got Mando. He's lost a contact. He's, he's sitting there just, what, huh, what, huh? And, 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 uh, you know, everything is at stake with, with Grogu and, and finding, uh, getting all this, all this stuff is working, but it's a thrill ride to me. It really is because each beat is, uh, is, is going up and down that ride and where it ends, it truly explodes. And, uh, I'll say that one. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I, I think there are so many scenes, and some of the best scenes in Star Wars are the ones that are just the huge amount of tension before the explosion of action, and I think that is one of the very best, right? Of It really it feels to me like, you know, you, I think you, you're so right to say there are all these questions of how Mayfeld is going to react, but I feel like when I watch the scene, it's just, however he reacts, it's probably not going to be good, and it's just like, how much pressure can this guy take? before he snaps, you know, mm-hmm. and the Imperial, the, that actor, uh, Night King One, <laughs> is doing such a great job of just applying pressure, pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, and it's, yeah, mm. great. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, the end of Force Awakens, we talked about it as a great cliffhanger that is so thrilling, even now that we know how the cliffhanger ends. Whenever I watch Force Awakens, I still connect to the thrill of scene at the first time of, uh, I was, in fact, just talking with my wife the other day. I can't remember why we were talking about, I think we were just talking about Luke. We were talking about Luke and the Mandalorian and mm. in the whole history of Luke. And my wife told me something that she had never told me before of like, the first time that we watched Force Awakens, I got distracted in the third act because I was worried about how upset you would be that we haven't seen Luke Skywalker yet. <laughs> That's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, and I I will always just remember that. Yeah, of course, I wanted Luke to pop up earlier in the film, but just being totally OK with it because that end was so thrilling. It was yeah. it was just the the comfort of he's 
back. He looks like a Jedi, that exposed metal hand, that hood coming down, that classic Jedi move. But what does he feel? What is next? How far will Ray push? Uh, it's it's thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I think still my favorite Star Wars ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one for me is, uh, is Yoda lifting the X-Wing in... Oh yeah, and Empire Strikes Back. That's that's something that is not about action, right? It's not about danger. Uh, and, and I think some people would maybe say it's you know it's awe inspiring or it's moving or it's touching. To me, there is there is something thrilling about it because it sets up this this tension of can Luke do it? Can he not? Yoda's eyes widen, and then meh. Mm. and you could kind of feel like that's the end of the scene. Yeah. So then this kind of explosion of of mastery of power of the possibility is that is represented by Yoda moving the X-Wing. It's thrilling to me. Mm. Spiritual thrills. Spiritual thrills. Uh, we've touched on this, but I, I want to see if there's anything else that you want to add, Ken, about what scenes best marry the, the thrill ride, the fun action with the deeper meaning. Look, I, I guess my, I have two controversial choices. One, I just don't have the energy for today. Uh, it's uh, it's crate, <laughs> Kylo, the final moments, peace and purpose. It's all that. Uh, I'm sure it's not the last time we'll discuss it, and and, and perhaps it's yours, and and we'll discuss that now. But I'm going to go. This probably is even more controversial. I've heard it described as flat. Uh, I've told YouTube I'm not interested in videos that title the, the, the videos uh, this is why the space fight in Rise of Skywalker failed. Um, and maybe it did. Maybe it did. But I love the Battle of Exegol and the Battle over Exegol. Uh, the Ray Kylo, uh, Palpatine stuff, let's put that on a, on a different shelf to discuss. I just love the action, the thrill, um, and the deeper meaning that continues to this day to move me to tears or at least some watery eyes of there are more of us, Poe, there are more of us, and that music swells, and it's the Star Wars song, man. And it and Poe slides over. And are there some awkward beats with, who's that flyer? Yeah, sure, but Babu's alive. I, I'll celebrate that. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry there are stakes for me, but, 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 but beyond the stakes is what you ask in this question, the deeper meaning and the true victory, the complete victory, Leia's victory finally coming from all the people, all that stuff continues to inspire me, continues to change me, and continues to move me. And also you got some uh, Y-Wings having some fun, so it works for me. And you got Orbax on the de- on a Star Destroyer. I'll take it all. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, it's a great answer, very, uh, very space battle uh, focused. And yeah, I think that's... It, it, I, I, what I like about that is that... that scene to me is it's not trying to reinvent the wheel with the actual action you know there's some great shots i love the way uh zori's y-wing you know zips around and and takes out that uh big planet killing uh gun uh so definitely some great you know uh special effects all that stuff but it's not trying to reinvent the wheel it's not trying to show you something you've never seen before in terms of an action scene it is about that it's just about driving home the the desperation, at least in the space battle, the Orbox, we've never seen that before. It's amazing. Uh, But it is just trying to drive home the, they're utterly surrounded and they're, they're falling constantly and the darkness is closing in. And then here, you know, yeah. Poe flipping up from the darkness of the battle to seeing all of those ships is incredibly uh, thrilling. Yep. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Fist pumping. Um, 
I think for me, uh, I will be true to my uh, <laughs> original trilogy roots. Again, there's like a thousand uh, scenes that I could answer this, but I think I, I go to some of some classic Luke stuff. I think the the Luke and Vader lightsaber fight in Bespin is thrilling, um, but it it is so clearly when when I watch it through adult eyes of like it's exotic. It's in this weird space. Uh, it, it's shot beautifully, but it is these laser swords flashing. And, and one of my favorite action moments is, is Luke, um, pushing the, uh, the, the steam into Vader's face and then calling his lightsaber into his hand just at the right moment. Great action stuff, but it's all totally married to is Vader just playing with Luke? Does Luke actually have a chance? Uh, all of his mentors have told him, this is a mistake. Leia has yelled at us a trap. Like, what is he getting into? Does he have any chance, you know? And it, of course, builds to, you know, one of the most famous scenes in Star Wars. But even just the lightsaber fight, it's just, it keeps you on your toes for the thrill of who, who is, what is actually going on? What is this battle actually about? And does Luke actually stand a chance at all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it, we couldn't not mention that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the other one uh, that I will mention is, uh, I think, a little bit of the the opposite of that. And I think a lot of people's probably favorite, uh, a favorite thrilling moment is Luke getting the blade in Return of the Jedi. You know, uh, that is a great heroic moment. It is a moment, I think, that uh, where Luke is coming into his own. He has made the choice to uh, rescue his friend because attachment is not a weakness and his... His friendship with Han truly began when Han turned around and came back for him at the end of A New Hope. Han always comes back for Luke, and there's no way Luke is going to let his uh, his friends stay there. All of his friends are in danger. He has offered every other way out, free us or die. So he has, he's been a Jedi in my estimation. And then just the absolute thrill of the, the flip, the catch, the yeah. little look at the lightsaber, and then the, the swing into action. You can have whatever kind of opinions about the rest of the action scene that you want, but that moment of him catching the lightsaber might be for me, like maybe up there. Number one, uh, most thrilling. And it does have meaning because it shows us how far Luke has come and, and his commitment to his friends. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that one, that's a, that's iconic. That changed the game. It changed the game. Uh, all right. So, one last thing that I wanted to talk about, Ken, is because we've lived with Star Wars uh, for a long time, are there parts of Star Wars that risk losing their thrill because you've just, you've seen them? Like, it, we've seen lots of uh, uh, blaster fights in hallways. We've seen lots of different lightsaber uh, battles. Uh, we've seen lots of different space battles. Are there parts of Star Wars that are at risk of losing the thrill for you? Look, uh, yeah, I guess another trench run on a on a ball like death orb uh, might might lose some <laughs> thrill, but then I, I got to imagine if done right and with the right characters, no, uh, I I don't think you know specifically regards to say lightsabers, Mandalorian until Ahsoka shows up, yeah, we get the dark saber, but I, it's it's sans lightsabers, and then Ahsoka shows up, and I, and I remember the the blades ignite early on, like we're we're there, right? We're not. We're not waiting. We're, this isn't a cameo appearance. All right, she's got this episode. And I just remember going, yeah, lightsabers, man. Ooh, look at that. I missed you, buddies. I missed you, friends. <laughs> so, yeah, even when you think, uh, and I, I, up until then, I was fine. I remember uh, one of my 
comic acquaintances on Facebook posted uh, and never go on Facebook for Star Wars opinions, but he had posted like, I don't like the Mandalorian. It's got the one thing Star Wars, it's missing the one thing Star Wars needs, lightsabers. And, uh, you know, I'd love to maybe debate that with him some other time. But also, I get it. I feel it. And that moment, it, it worked. It, it did kind of work. And uh, it, it reminded me that, yep, I still love those uh, blades of light. Yeah. I think that that is, uh, you know, for for me, the the weirdness of Star Wars, the surprise of Star Wars is something that it, it, I am so happy when it feels like creators are keeping that in mind, that mm-hmm. lightsabers are always going to be thrilling on some level because they clearly did just... Uh, have touched uh, 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 touched off a spark in generation after generation. They they fire the imagination. Uh, but if you see them do the same thing again and again, or be used in the same way, you risk taking the edge off that thrill for people who've been with Star Wars for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was so thrilled to be thrilled <laughs> by Ahsoka's blades because they looked different, right? Because we get to see that blazing white in live action. Uh, she did several different fun and creative moves with them, and it just felt thrilling and fresh. So I think as long as Star Wars creators keep saying, how can I honor what has come before, and how can I add a new uh, twist in this particular roller coaster that people aren't expecting, then it, it will never lose its thrill. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Uh, thank you for for going on this uh, this conversation uh, with me, this roller coaster with uh, lots of thrills, and I, I learned a lot about your relationship with roller coasters. <laughs> one day we'll ride one together, sir. Exactly. So my final kind of fun question, Ken: If you were in a thrilling Star Wars scene that tested your character, what kind of action would it be? <sighs> well, I I've been trying to think of the you know, uh, you know. I, if I have to escape on foot fast, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I am a cart puller, not a sprinter. So that would be, uh, do I have the willpower to survive that kind of sequence? Can I follow Han down a hallway? Can I lead Chewie down a hallway? Uh, and can I survive? I would have to face my, not my contacts on a roller coaster demon, but my uh, shin splints. And can I pull through that <laughs> Okay, so you you would feel like it would be a, a physical test of you uh, pounding down a hallway. Well, physical test, but I can tell you from having to run to emergencies before, there's a part of your brain that kicks in of, I have to overcome this, and this is a choice of character. Because <laughs> <I can pull laughs> right now and have someone else get there first. Right, that I can will myself to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I understand. I uh, I had a uh, a car uh, lose a tire like at a dangerous highway uh, and I had never fully changed a tire myself. And I was with a friend who had no idea, didn't drive, had no idea how to do it. And I was like, it was freezing cold in Minnesota on the edge of a dangerous highway. And it was just like, this must be done. And to this day, I don't really know how I did it. <laughs> the false with you. So I understand that. So maybe a, 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 some a component would uh, fall off a speeder. I think for me, if it was a true test of my character, I think it would be about letting go and not going back for that one thing. So I think for me, it would be like I'd be in a speeder chase and I'd be fine if I just kept going. But I'd think of that, you know, one thing that fell off the speeder that maybe I want to go back and pick up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see the action scene being like me turning around you know, with uh, somebody in the car going, the speeder going, you don't you don't really need that. You could just keep going. Oh, no. Let it go. 
Let it go. The lesson of Star Wars. So that's our big look at thrills in Star Wars. As always, you know, we're fans sharing our opinions. A lot of this, what we talked about today, is very, very subjective about uh, certainly your favorite scene and how much which ingredient of Star Wars is important to you. Uh, Thank you all for for listening and and let me work through some of my opinions about uh, why that adventure serial and why that pulp side of it is uh, is so important to me. But as always, we recognize and celebrate that people come to Star Wars at different times and they really enjoy different parts of Star Wars for different reasons. So hopefully this uh, got you thinking about what parts of Star Wars you consider thrilling and why you consider them thrilling. So that's it, Ken. Absolutely. I, we're waiting for all of your experiences of uh, taking the Unabongo through the planet core. And that's pretty <laughs> thrilling, too. Uh, hey, you can find Force Center in a lot of spots, including Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook pages, Force Center Podcast, podcasts available in a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. You can buy ter- uh, merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get that Speculate Responsibly shirt and spread the word. Patreon.com slash four centers where you can support us directly you can also support us on anchor for what it's worth but we also just appreciate you spreading the word and telling your friends families loved ones and maybe even enemies about four center you can follow me on twitter at cadnapsock go to my website cadnapsock.com for information and all the things i'm working on including the good people association bringing the entertainment to the good people of the earth with my pals josh and mark more information coming soon joseph yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for my comedy podcast, Obsessed, comedy albums, and any upcoming online comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Ken's contact lost out there somewhere in the galaxy, this has been Force Center. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.